0: Quite unusual. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Quite Unusual podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Noelle. And here we are,
1: your host and your other host. It is us, hosts. We are together. We are hosts. Try not to say hosts. Hosts. I can't never do it now. St- 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 I can't never not I That's do why it I'm like,
0: I. I try to come up with like a different thing to say yes it just doesn't work we are your uh
1: people who read you stories we talk and you listen we are the podcasters we are podcasts we are podcasts voltron we are voltron Mm. together we are voltron we are voltron and
0: we're actually coming to you with our very first episode of fall the greatest time of year. Wow, this is our first fall episode and our first Voltron episode? Our first. There's a lot of firsts going on with this episode. Uh-oh. Firsts. Firsts. What's happening? We can't get away from it. What is language? We can't, we can't get away from I it. I don't know. Well, the weather has cooled down. Except for today. It's randomly hot today. I you know, I'm over it. Yeah. What's happening? Like, last night was beautiful.
1: Oh. Lit a fire, sat out by the fire. Just want to wear hoodies and be cozy and drink hot drinks and yeah well i'm wearing a hoodie right now
0: and i actually really regret it because
1: it's kind of hot in this attic i was wearing one earlier and i had to take it off it was just it's too hot man
0: there's pumpkin flavored everything supposed to
1: be october junior and it's 90 degrees outside october junior (laughs) are you one of those people who's decorated already for halloween um semi yeah. I put some pumpkins out. You do you have you have pumpkins. I got a lot of pumpkins in this house. Yeah. I usually yeah. decorate like September first.
0: Yeah. I'm in the middle of a move currently, so sadly I haven't been able to decorate and it's really hurting me. It hurts you on the end. Just want to put some bats up. Yeah. Some bats on my wall. Get the bats up. Maybe like get a little out. <laughs> Killian just came walking Noel's cat Killian just came walking out from underneath the table and it scared the shit out of me.
1: Well, she's also the intern. Oh, yeah, that's true. She has free range of the the attic. Just walking
0: around. Horror movies are on TV all of the time. But most
1: importantly, there's Mm. squash in the grocery store. Are you a big squash person? I am the squash person. Squash soup roasted squash um, i have butternut squash soup actually i think i'm gonna have that oh, for dinner dude so good so, so good, good. i've been eating non squash a plethora of squashes what what do you make with the squash sometimes i just roast it and i like put like a little like cinnamon little brown sugar a little butter situation Ooh. and i just eat an entire squash by myself. <laughs> just a roasted squash yeah dude that's what you have for dinner yeah wow yeah i'll make you some roasted squash it's delicious the seeds oh my god you think you like pumpkin seeds
0: you can roast squash
1: seeds uh yeah dude and they're like not as hard you know how sometimes pumpkin seeds are like a little too hard yeah and they're hard you have to chew them like 17 billion times just to get them soft yeah you only have to chew a squash seed like seven times what versus seven billion what i would just buy it just for the seeds i love pumpkin seeds yeah man you're gonna love squash seeds I need to buy me some squash. It's squash season, baby. <laughs> Forget spooky season. In this house, we celebrate squash we celebrate season. squash. All right. Well, I have to pick up a
0: squash. But uh, today, we are talking about a killer couple that many of you probably haven't heard of. That's right. We're going true crime this time. That rhymed, unintentional. True crime this time. I actually found this couple while researching Last Meals. Really? So I guess... Spoiler alert for that one because you know how it, it ends now.
1: Mm, they but, eat uh, a meal and it's nice and they have a nice picnic at the end. Yep. yep. That's their last meal.
0: Yes. You, we we don't even have to read the episode now. We could just, that's how it ends. All right, let's go. Record scratch. But this lesser known Bonnie and Clyde type couple was actually the inspiration for the movie Badlands, which I've never seen. Me either, but it's a terrible show.
1: I've never seen the show either. I don't think it's related in any way, shape or form, but there's a show called Badlands and it's one of my least favorite shows. Oh, was world. it on AMC? It was and it was terrible okay. and I hated it. And but, I love Kung Fu. And yeah. it was like they tried to make it Kung Fu. Kung Fu
0: Western, wasn't it?
1: Or something Yeah, like that. which I'm down for. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sick. But it was just so bad. I hated it so much. Mm. Yeah. I never watched it. I feel like mm. AMC is terrible, to be honest. Uh,
0: the Walking Dead, but then they killed that. I
1: know. I loved it, and now I hate it. it like, zombies are my favorite
0: animal. <laughs> it like got good, then it got bad, then it got good again. I don't know where it is now. Who I feel cares? like I owe it, though, to watch the rest of it, just because like, I had so much invested into it you know, in the beginning.
1: Do you want to hear something dark that I'm going to get a lot of pushback from? Yeah. I read the Wikipedia for like plot summary updates, uh-huh. and that's it. Don't tell me what happens. I won't because I don't even remember because it <laughs> it probably didn't make an impact in any way, shape, or form. So as I As long as Daryl and Carol are still on the show, that's all I care about. I don't I don't even remember. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how not important it is to my life. Great. This couple was actually also the inspiration for the movie Natural Born Killers. Can we talk about natural born killers? We can. Any? We can. Okay. Uh number 1 it's a cinematic masterpiece. I
0: fucking hate it. I hate that movie so much. Like so much. What? Yeah. Why? Uh cuz I think Oliver Stone fucked up the script with his directing. Oh. Is I, I think it's was a like Tarantino script. Was it? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. Oh,
1: he would have killed that movie. And
0: yeah, and he was really pissed off at like how he... No shit. Mm-hmm.
1: You know what? It, it is Tarantino-esque now that I think about the mm-hmm. plot. There's like the opening scene where it's like black and white and like they do all the angle yeah. and stuff. It's a little much. Um, yeah. I love Juliette Lewis. Oh, I love her. She can so do no much. wrong. No, her crop top game in that movie is like, oh my God, my life goals, <laughs> dude. Woody Harrelson, adorable, fucking love Woody. I don't know. I just feel like, wow, now I'm a little disappointed, actually, now that I know that it was a Quentin Tarantino script. It was, yeah, story. I don't know if he wrote wow. the script, but the story was by Quentin Tarantino. That's disappointing.
0: And he hates He hates the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why he started directing his own movies.
0: Yeah, so I don't know why he did, just didn't direct this one. Damn, I don't dude. Know. But
1: yeah, I, because you can watch it and you can totally see how he would have done uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. Now I'm like picturing it like, I used to like it so much up until like four minutes ago. And now. Yeah, man. I'm kind of disappointed. People are probably going
0: to, I'm probably going to get hate on that for not liking that movie. But I just, wow. I can't fucking stand it. I, I
1: just hate it. I don't know if I can ever watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Let's just get into it. Let's get into the real life natural born killers. Uh, we'll try to make this as Quentin Tarantino esque. We will be spraying blood everywhere. Yeah. You're, uh, you're gonna get sprayed with blood through your phone if, if you're listening to this on a phone. That's right. If you're in the front row, it's a splash zone. Watch out. If you're in your car, it's gonna come spraying through the <laughs> <laughs> through the speaker. Disgusting. <laughs> just just riddled with blood. All right. Yeah. Perfect. On your way to work, it's fine. It's a, mm-hmm. hey. Then you'll probably get the day off. We warned you. So you're welcome, we you. actually. Yeah. Today we are talking about Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugit. Are we saying Fugit? Fugit. I was saying, I was saying Fugate. Fugate. Ooh, that's, I don't know <laughs> if she's that fancy. It's a me, Carol Fugate. It's, yeah. Is it mm, a f- Fugit? I like, ooh, I like Fugate. Fugate. Yeah. Okay, do, we're going to go Fugate, but this might be the only time I ever say her last name yeah so
0: we're just gonna Carol. we're just gonna also carol is spelled c-a-r-i-l which in our script like our notes it's like flagging is not a word Uh because
1: it's not so this is a real um what was petty or lightest Lightest. it's a lightest situation for sure (laughs) it's a lightest lydia situation all day fuck my life i've also been calling her carol ann carol ann yeah not just carol
0: yeah, I don't know. See, I've seen a lot of places where it's just, they just refer to her as Carol. I don't know if she went by Carol Ann. Wow, we are off to a great start. I, I know Carol Ann is a...
1: Well, Carol Ann just reminds me of the poltergeist, but... We have no idea what this other girl's name is. <laughs> oh. We're just going to call her C. We're going to call her C-A-F. Calf. <laughs> All calf. right, let's move forward with Calf. Ready? <laughs> so Charles Starkweather and C-A-F <laughs> Carol and Fugate... Which sounds like a nice little couple to me. Maybe she's, like, really, like, she knows Mario. That's her cousin, for sure. Fugate. Mario Fugate. (laughs) (laughs) They sound very nice to me, but were they? Actually, I feel like their story is very, very interesting and, like, honestly, a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, surprised I haven't heard of this one. Actually. Yeah, I thought it was going to be kind of spoilerish here, just like a oh, true crime, couple crime spree, like whatever, classic Bonnie and Clyde stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's kind of deep, it's kind of dark. I have a theory that I would like to discuss with you at the end. Oh, okay. Uh, uh about mm-hmm. Carol and fugate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's split these murder babes up. First, I'll talk about Charles. You want to talk about Carol and I got calf. Fugate, calf. <laughs> Can we just go calf? Yeah, calf. We're going calf. Okay. So, Charles Raymond Starkweather, born on the other side of the wall in Westeros, was born in the throes of the Great Depression on November 24th, 1938. Sagittarius. Hey. I have never met a Sagittarius that wasn't extremely interesting. You're damn right you haven't. And extremely aggressive. Uh, we're not all aggressive. No,
0: not all of you. Some of us are very sweet and kind, I guess. I don't know. Are you a kind and sweet Sagittarius? Do you exist?
1: You, you're you not. I'm not. You're no. scary as fuck. I'm not. I was not claiming to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so scared of you. Oh, <laughs> don't be scared of me.
0: You should be scared of me. I
1: am scared of her. It's it's, a, it's healthy. Don't worry. <laughs> He was born in my favorite state, Nebraska. That's not, that's no one's favorite state. <laughs> Sorry, Nebraska. It's a its a long state, that's for sure. <laughs> he was born in Nebraska in the city of Lincoln to Helen and Guy Starkweather. Because when Guy's parents had a baby, they're like, well, we can't name him girl. So they just went with Guy. <laughs> he looks like a guy. So we're going to call him Guy. He was their third child in a family of six boys and one girl. All of the Starkweather kids had shockingly bright red hair. They're kind of like the Weasleys of Nebraska. 100%. They are the Weasleys of Nebraska. Uh, One girl. Bright red hair. uh, Two sets of twins. I've never seen Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the right track. His family was not well-to-do at all. His dad was a carpenter, but he had rheumatoid arthritis in his hands, so he was forced to take quite a bit of time off of work, which caused the family's finances to suffer a bit. When Guy was having a flare up and he was unable to work, Helen worked as a waitress to keep the family afloat. The Starkweather family were very well respected, and the children were known to be quiet, well behaved, and again, to be (laughs) redheaded. The Weasleys of Nebraska. Their family was hardworking, and as a result, they were lucky enough to always have a roof over their head, food on the table, in a time when a lot of the nation just didn't, because, I mean, this is, like, mid-depression. Mm-hmm. His family was unable to afford treatment for Charles's mild birth defect, though. He had varum, which causes bow-leggedness. With treatment, usually braces and physical therapy... A child with varum will grow out of their bow legs and be able to stand more upright. What is the opposite of a bow leg? An, uh,
0: I don't know. Are an, you asking air, me?
1: Yeah, an arrow leg. If it's bowed <laughs> or straight as an arrow, that has to be it. Well, what if it's opposite of, because don't bow legs go out? Mm-hmm. What if it
0: goes the other way? Ooh, I don't know. Was the opposite of a bow? I don't know. I thought that's what you were asking me. <laughs> I am asking you. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I have so many questions. Because of his bow legs, Charles was mercilessly made fun of by the other children in his school. Charles also had a speech impediment, which was another sore spot of his, and the other children picked on him constantly because of it. On top of these unfortunate childhood ailments, Charles also had awful eyesight, But this was not found out until he entered high school. What? Yeah. He was diagnosed with severe myopia, which means like he was nearsighted. So he has trouble seeing things that are really more than just a few feet in front of his line of sight. Wow. He was considered by his teachers to be a slow learner and he was said to never apply himself. He was also considered to be a terrible student and he got really just really bad grades He was even considered what we would call now learning disabled when he was very young, but they called him slow or like a clinical idiot or like just like something terrible. Yeah, they were not kind with their words. They're like, oh, he's just dumb. Yeah, he's just dumb. Yeah. I personally, even though this is speculation, Mm -hmm. think that all of this is because he had really poor eyesight and he wasn't... Like, able to see basically at all.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely had a part in it, I would say.
1: Yeah. And he, it wasn't corrected he, until he was practically an adult. Yeah. Like, when you can't see, how are you supposed to read or do schoolwork? Right.
0: And did he just never mention, like, hey, I can't see these words on this paper?
1: Well, I remember a <laughs> um, personal anecdote here. I have, I have terrible eyesight. Like, I was like yeah. almost blind in one eye when I was a baby. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, And I didn't know because I could, you don't know what things what are supposed, supposed to, to see. look like. So you have the gift of sight, and well, you just wake up in the morning, and you can see things I somehow. didn't when I was
0: little. My eyes corrected themselves. I actually wore oh, glasses really? when I was little, yeah. Aww. My kindergarten, like, kindergarten, like, through high school, I wore glasses.
1: And were you able to tell that you needed them when you were little? or you? Uh, yeah, because
0: I would get headaches. Aww. And then my mom brought me to the eye doctor, and they were like, yeah, she's uh, nearsighted. Because nearsighted means you're farsighted, farsighted
1: means you're nearsighted. I know. I always messed it up. That's why I wrote it <laughs> in here. Because I was like, which one's the yeah, nearsighted one's, one? Yeah, yeah. So I was nearsighted. That's so cute. I want to see a baby picture of you with glasses. I was pretty
0: cute. It was pretty cute. I had like long hair. Um, But yeah, my eyes corrected themselves and
1: now I don't need glasses. Mine are just getting worse. So <laughs> way to rub it in, dude. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Charles claimed to remember, quote, very little about his time in school. He is only quoted as saying he remembers it was nothing positive, but he can't quite remember any details either. He does remember PE class. Gym class? I mean, I would call it gym class, but I don't know if that's like the official term. I feel like I want to call it gym class too, but I'm not sure if that's a Midwestern thing.
0: I think it is because we call gym, like athletic shoes, gym shoes. Gym shoes. Mm -hmm. And most people call them like trainers or sneakers. But no, we call them gym shoes. <laughs>
1: Imagine calling them sneakers. No. Who are you, Jerry Seinfeld? No, or trainers. Oh my God, I'm going to throw up from my mouth. <laughs> Don't even do that to me. Anyways, Charles was super athletic and he used gym class as an outlet for the misery he faced in every other facet of his school life. He was known to be incredible at doing that insane thing where teachers make you climb a rope to the ceiling for some reason. What was that? I don't know. Why
0: did they make us do that?
1: Seems so unsafe.
0: What if you, what if somebody fell? I mean, I couldn't make it past,
1: like, three feet off the ground. No, but you're just, like, (laughs) dangling from a rope 30 feet up? Yeah,
0: there were kids that did it all the way to the top, rang the bell, and then just, like, came down. What if you got to
1: the top? And you were like, I can't come down. Yeah, dude. You just like drop squirreled it. And How just, did like, no one die? I don't I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they did die and we're just uncovering some network of like like school cover ups where there's hundreds of thousands <laughs> of children that die <laughs> from, from climbing from rope. ropes every year, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: Who has like there were well To be honest, there were probably like five kids who actually had the upper body strength to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Like everyone else didn't get very far.
1: Maybe they just figure if you're strong enough to get up there, (laughs) you're strong enough to hold on. You got to figure it out, man. (laughs) It's up to you now. Yeah. Well, he nailed that shit and he didn't even fall and die or anything. Like Hundreds of thousands of other kids, I assume, do every year. (laughs) The cover-ups. It's the leading death of children. (laughs) All of his physical strength that he gained while participating in high school gym class gave him a lot of confidence, confidence to beat up the kids that bullied him. Oh, nice. Yeah, he went real like Revenge of the Nerds style All towards right. the end of high school. I support it. He went from being considered quiet and well-behaved to being considered violent, full of rage and revenge. So you could say he really started, you know, coming out as a, a Sagittarius.
0: Yeah, he really he leaned into that one. You know what? Actually, when I was younger, I was very
1: shy and quiet, too. And then you learned how to climb a rope, and, and then everything I, changed. As soon as I hit that bell at the top, <laughs> it was the that was the switch flip for me. It awakened something in you. Yeah. <laughs> I found a quote from his high school friend, Robert Bob Van Busch, who in my head has a German accent because his name is Van Busch. Busch. He said, he could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. He was a hell of a lot of fun to be around, too. Everything was just one big joke to him. But he had this other side. He could be mean as hell. Cruel. If he saw some poor guy on the street who was bigger than him, better looking or better dressed, he'd just take the poor bastard down to his size. Yeah. Yeah. And then I tried to look up how tall he is, and I couldn't find it. He's five five. What? Or he was five five. Yeah. Whoa. So, um. Isn't Tom Cruise five five? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think he is.
1: But yeah. He like stands on short. boxes and like makes everyone else like stand <laughs> in the box. They put lifts in his shoes for the movies. Yeah. Yeah. He wears high heels. <laughs> he wears those like platform moon shoes. <laughs> oh yeah. In every single movie that he does. Uh-huh. 100%. It's in his contract. It yeah. Like <laughs> he brings his own. BYO <laughs> yeah. Then in another cinematic turn of events, Charles becomes obsessed with acting and dressing exactly like James Dean after Mm -hmm. seeing rebel without a cause
0: i mean can you blame him though no i mean
1: i I mean i want to be james dean i want to be james (laughs) dean i don't know if i want to be him or marry him i want to do both whoa have you seen rebel without a cause i actually haven't have you yeah it's like an old yeah it's it is exactly what you think it is okay yeah it's like (laughs) james dean being like moody i don't and, care about anything yeah i'm just a rebel without a cause and then he like has a motorcycle i think his name is jim or james in the movie so he's just playing himself yeah basically it's like a <laughs> biopic yeah <laughs> he starts doing the slicked back hair thing not pushed back hair it's slicked back like if a baby saw his hair is slicked back the baby would know right away that he was an asshole he was a piece of shit it's a piece of shit he started dressing like James Teen too, which I'll be honest is a hot ass look. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: I also read that he put shoe polish in his hair so his hair wasn't red anymore. Whoa, that's a power
1: move. Yeah, but Charles obviously took it too far, like putting shoe polish in his hair. <laughs> like everyone can tell, it's shoe polish. It's running down your face, Charles. It's ninety degrees outside. <laughs> He became obsessed thinking that him and James Dean were like kindred spirits, like two peas and like a little leather jacket pod or something, mm, you know? Sounds hot. He thought, he thought James Dean had been through the kind of bullying and torment that he had and that he overcame it by basically being his character from Rebel Without a Cause. This made Charles double down on his efforts to be exactly like James Dean. <laughs> he started to show a real superiority complex as well. He became openly rude. He became outwardly self-loathing, and he really stopped caring about like anything at all. You could say he just he didn't have a cause, you know. So he was a rebel without. Yes, yes, cause? I, I would I would mm, say that. Okay, mm-hmm.
0: R- we'd go as far to say that.
1: Yeah, yeah, he he just became like a real jackass, a real piece of shit. Yeah, must have been the slicked back hair. <laughs> probably was. He probably ate sloppy steaks too. <laughs> he pours water on him. You mm-hmm. got to. <laughs> He thought that he was defective, and that gave him an excuse to do pretty much anything that he wanted. He started getting into more fights, causing trouble, and he just sort of gave up on, like, any semblance of being, like, normal and quiet and not a piece of shit. (laughs) And then he met a girl. And that girl
0: was named Calf. Just kidding.
1: Carol Ann Afugate. Carol
0: Ann Afugate was born July 30th,
1: 1943. <gasps> Cancer. Ooh, is she? Interesting. And
0: she lived in Lincoln, Nebraska with her mother, her stepfather, her older sister, and also a baby sister.
1: Aww.
0: Carol was described as a pretty girl with dark brown hair who would smile often. Like Charlie, she didn't do well in school and had failed a grade in elementary school. Her teachers considered her to also be slow.
1: I have a feeling that the school system in Nebraska in the 50s, probably not great.
0: Yeah, they probably mm. just like pegged all of their kids as slow. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know? yeah, I'd say that's safe to say. Yeah, Probably.
0: Also, like Charlie, Carol was a rebellious wild card and was known for her unpredictable temper. She's a cancer. In 1956, when Carol was just 13 years old, she was introduced to Charles Starkweather. When Charlie's good friend, who we mentioned earlier, Bob von Busch, started to date Carol's older sister, Barbara Fugate.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to stress here. I just want to say it again. Um, She's 13 years old. She's 13. She's yeah. 13. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The four
0: of them would go on double dates, despite Charles being 18 and Carol only being 13. 13. 13. Charles dropped out of Lincoln High School in his senior year and picked up a job loading and unloading trucks at a Western Union newspaper warehouse. Charlie's boss thought he was a straight-up moron, stating, sometimes you'd have to tell him something two or three times. Of all the employees in the warehouse, he was the dumbest man we had.
1: I'm not dumb. I just got no cause.
0: (laughs) Charles chose this job because the warehouse was close to Whittier Junior High School in Lincoln, and that's where 13-year-old Carol attended school. 13... Mm-hmm. Charles would visit Carol every day after school.
1: This is giving me, like, remember when Jerry Seinfeld dated that 17-year-old girl and he would pick her up from high school and he was, like, 35? Yeah. This is giving me big, fat vibes. Yeah. But Jerry Seinfeld was at least successful. Uh, and yeah. his hair was pushed back, not slicked back. It was definitely pushed oh, back. Oh, yeah, Definitely, definitely pushed back.
0: Mm-hmm. Charlie thought the world of Carol. He worshipped her. And Carol was just as obsessed... She thought Charlie was old and super cool, and
1: he reminded her of James Dean. Oh, come on, dude. Calf, let's go, girl. She, yeah, like, I mean, he's pro- Oh, my God. I bet one day he was, like, combing his hair that, like, you know, he keeps his comb in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And he's like, do I uh, remind you of anyone? <laughs> James Dean. <laughs> oh, do I uh, mm-hmm. remind you of anyone, Calf?
0: He keeps on, like, slipping pictures of James Dean in, like, her yeah. <laughs>
1: school, school bag. Like, here's a picture of me, and it's just James Dean. Here, take this. She's like, this,
0: this isn't you?
1: Shut up. You're 13. You don't know anything.
0: <laughs> William Allen, author of the book Starkweather, Story of a Mass Murderer. There's
1: a colon in there. Please include the colon.
0: William Allen, author of the book Starkweather. Story of a Mass Murderer. Thank you for pausing for the colon. (laughs) (laughs) Said that Carol was impressed by his cars, his toughness, his looks, and despite his poverty, the way he could give her almost anything she wanted. Charlie said that Carol meant more to him than anything had before. Without her, he would be thrust back into the world he hated so much. Carol almost even made him stop hating himself. Wow. He saw himself as reflected in her eyes, and he looked good. He looked good with that shoe polish hair. <laughs> he looked slicked, damn good, slicked back. Charlie taught Carol to drive, even though she was only thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. Thirteen. One day, Carol took Charlie's nineteen forty-nine Ford hot rod for a little joyride, and crashed into another car since charlie's father guy was the owner
1: of the vehicle he had to cough up the money for the damages to the other car i have a question that i don't know if you'll know the answer to but i know one of our listeners will okay shoot did they have power steering in 1949 (sighs) i don't i want to say yeah do you think i don't know because if not yeah i get why she crashed into another car because holy (sighs) shit that would be hard to drive Yeah. I don't know. If anyone knows. Let me know. I'm not Googling Googling it. it. I'm not not Googling this. (laughs) It's just putting this question out into the universe and maybe the answer will come back. Just DM. There's got to be like a car guy listening to this. Or a Um, car girl. car girl. Yeah. That's right. Or a car. Lightning McQueen, if you're listening. Lightning, if you're listening. I agree. Life is a highway and I need to know. Lightning, as if you guys were
0: on first name (laughs) bases.
1: Uh, Me and Lightning McQueen. (laughs) Are basically besties.
0: Charlie's dad was not very happy about this and he yelled at Charlie and told him that he should not be allowing his unlicensed and underage girlfriend to drive his car. Mm, pretty yeah, pretty fair points. Pretty fair. pretty fair. Well, this caused a big argument between Charlie and his father and it ended in a physical fight where Charlie's dad told him he needed to find somewhere else to live. Pretty reasonable. Yep. So Charlie moved into a roaming house where his close friend, Bob von Busch, and Barbara Fugate also lived. Actually, Bob had ended up marrying Carol's sister, Barbara, and they all rented rooms in this one rooming house. Oh,
1: that's so nice. It's like the Brady Bunch. Yeah, kinda. But James Dean's there for some
0: reason. (laughs) With Charlie removed from his family and no longer talking to his parents, he became infatuated with Carol. Because she was really all he had. He began telling people he and Carol were getting married. And then he started telling rumors that Carol was pregnant with his baby. Um, Which eventually got around to Carol's parents and they were not happy about that.
1: Yeah. He's like, oh, by the way, you know that girl that's 13 years old and I'm a legal adult? (laughs) I don't want to brag, but I got her pregnant. (laughs) Basically, that's exactly what he was doing. That's fucked, dude. It's super fucked. Mm -hmm.
0: Charlie ended up quitting his job loading trucks at the paper company and started to work as a garbage man. Charlie took this job because it matched up with Carol's school schedule. This is insane. Charlie's work hours were the same as Carol's school hours, and they would get off at the same time so then they could hang out afterwards. Mm. Charlie was paid minimum wage, only $42 a week, That's which... is humor. different number. Is it? Yeah well, it would equal $422 in today's money. And this was not enough to support himself and definitely was not enough to support Carol as well. In their baby,
1: question mark?
0: She wasn't pregnant. He was just telling people that. Charlie was not able to pay his rent, and his landlady threw him out of the house until he could come up with the money he owed her for rent. And Charlie knew that if he wanted a
1: future with Carol... He needed money, and he needed it fast. Oh, he should have went to one of those check cash places, you know, where, like, it's like a payday loan, like you promise, like, on your payday. You know, what are those called? The check into cash. cash. Check into cash. I just hit my mic doing the check into cash you with did. my finger. It was worth it, and it was really nice. I'm leaving it in. Leave it in. Leaving
0: Leave it, it in. in. Should have went to check into cash. Check into cash. <sighs> Charlie saw himself trapped in a life of poverty, and since he was a big, dumb idiot, he didn't see any <laughs> other way out of it. <laughs> was okay yeah he's a fucking idiot okay yeah Yeah. i can say that uh, wait until you hear what he does okay don't don't give this guy any sympathy
1: if we haven't convinced you yet (laughs) (laughs) the only way
0: he could see himself making money and providing a future for carol was if he robbed a bank
1: of course naturally once
0: again not the sharpest tool in the shed no charles developed a nihilistic view towards life he saw his life flash before his eyes a life of poverty and mundane activities. And this was something Charlie was set on changing for himself and Carol. Uh Uh-oh. Are you telling me right
1: now that he got a cause?
0: He has a cause now. What? So now he's a rebel with a cause. It's even more dangerous. (laughs) Being a garbage man, Charlie's route took him all through town, where he was cleaning garbage for the middle and upper class families. And he saw how they lived and realized that if he continued on this path the path that he was on, he would never see such, such luxuries. So he began plotting bank robberies while on the job and came up with his own personal philosophy, a philosophy he wholeheartedly believed and lived by until his own death. I cannot wait to hear what this is. Which was, dead people are all on the same
1: level. Okay, he's not wrong. No, he's not. But I don't really understand how that's supposed to motivate you to like get more money for like your 12 year old I'm sorry 13 whoa <laughs> sorry she's a teen for your 13 year old girlfriend. Yeah, it's sort of like he just didn't care I guess so he didn't have a
0: cause. He did but he didn't He didn't he didn't really know.
1: Wow. We're going to put a poll on our Instagram. If you think that he had a cause, (laughs) we need you to vote for it. Okay. But if you think he didn't have a cause, we need you to vote against it. That's right. We're just going to put a little poll on the Instagram. Not going to put any questions or anything. (laughs) One will have, it'll just a cause on one side and then without a cause on the other side. And if you know, you know, and you'll vote and we'll know. And then we'll know. And some people probably won't know and they'll still vote. Because a lot of people (laughs) accidentally vote by trying to skip through our stories because they're so annoying. (laughs) On November 30th, 1957, Charlie went to a Sinclair gas station in Lincoln, Nebraska, and he tried to buy a stuffed dog toy for Carol. Because she was 13. Because she was fucking 13 (laughs) years old and Beanie Babies hadn't been invented yet. And stuffed dogs are things that 13-year-olds like. Tiny children. Yes. He didn't have enough money, so he wanted to buy the dog on credit, but the gas station attendant, Robert Colvert, declined, and he refused to let Charlie buy the dog. Charlie didn't like that. Charlie didn't like that at all, and he was extremely angry, but he left. I'd like to think he said, Charlie don't like this, and now he had another cause. Yes. <laughs> it's just, you know what? He's racking up causes. He's, he's got like got, a list of causes. He's got a cause. He, he has one. But then at the end of the day, when he crosses off all those things on his list, <laughs> then he's like, without, without with- a cause. He rings the bell at the top of the rope because <laughs> he's without a cause. <laughs> then at 3 a.m. on December 1st, so basically he stayed up all night, he went back to the gas station, this time with his 12-gauge shotgun. Wow. He left the gun in the car, and he went into the gas station and bought a pack of cigarettes from Robert Colvert. He got back into his car, and he drove down the road then he stopped and he's like you know what Charlie don't like that and Charlie turned around and he came back he went back into the gas station and this time he bought a pack of gum okay then he gets back into his car and he drives down the road and then he pulls over and he's like Charlie don't like that and he parked the car he tied a red bandana around his hair to, I don't know, I, I would assume to hide like his bright red hair. So he used the color red to hide his <laughs> red hair. He wasn't smart, Nicole. He wasn't <laughs> smart at all. He was very, very stupid. was yeah. very dumb. Very dumb. So he hid his red hair with a red bandana and he put on a baseball hat. He grabbed the canvas bag that he had with him and he took his shotgun and walked to the gas station. He walked in the door, pointing the shotgun directly at Robert Culvert, and he demanded that Robert put all of the money from the register into the bag. He got only $100 and decided that that wasn't enough. So he marched Robert out of the gas station and back to his car. He drove out to a remote area just outside of the city, and Charlie forced Robert out of the car. I don't know what his plan was, but... yeah. Robert tried to grab the gun from Charlie, and this resulted in the shotgun firing. Or that was just the story that Charlie told the cops. Right. Because you'll see in one moment, Robert couldn't tell a story. (laughs) So this is all from Charlie's perspective. Yeah. Robert's kneecaps were riddled with lead. (gasps) Because the gun, quote unquote, accidentally went off, right? Right. Robert dropped to the the ground, and Charlie shot Robert in the head, killing him instantly. This would be Charlie's very first kill. When recounting the event, he said that he believed he had, quote, transcended my former self to reach a new place of existence. Oh, that's very uh, spiritual of you. Big words. I'm going to assume he read it in a book.
0: Yeah, he probably, yeah. like, wrote
1: it on his hand so he could then later say it. Uh-huh. And then he was like, and dead people are all on the same level. So he just brought it back down. Yeah. Yeah. In Charlie's head, he was now existing outside of the law. He told Carol that he had robbed the gas station and, quote, someone else had killed Robert Colvert. <laughs> carol didn't believe him well yeah yeah, i totally robbed him but like i wasn't the one who killed him somebody else came in afterwards and killed him and also here's this small stuffed animal for you child (laughs) covered in blood yeah i brought you chocolate milk uh and this bloody stuffed animal because you're 13 years old carol wanted charles to stay away from her as a result of this she was pretty sure that he was a murderer and she wanted nothing to do with him but charlie didn't take no for an answer He chose to keep hanging around and trying to get Carol's attention. Some could say he stalked her. Yeah, he was pretty obsessed with her. He was very obsessed with her. And she's like, oh, you murder people and also got blood on my stuffed animal. So Now I don't even want it anymore. (laughs) I don't even want it anymore. Okay. On January 21st, 1958, Charles went to Carol's house to try to, like, Netflix and chill, probably. What would it have been before in, like, the, 50, in the late uh, 50s? Soda pop and sock hop. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Soda pop and sock hop. Yeah. <laughs> but she wasn't home. She was probably at like Girl Scouts or something. Her <laughs> mom, Velda, and her stepfather, Marion Bartlett, told Charles to stay away from their daughter and that she didn't want to see him anymore. But this didn't sit well with Charlie. Charlie didn't like that. (laughs) (laughs) He forced his way into their house in the Belmont neighborhood of Lincoln, and he shot both Velda and Marion with his shotgun. After he killed them both, he went to their two-year-old daughter, Betty Jean's room, and he strangled her. She finally died as a result of a fatal stab wound. Yeah, didn't he stab her in the neck? Uh Uh-huh. A two-year-old. He stabbed a
0: two-year-old child in the neck. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, don't feel bad for me calling him a big, dumb
1: idiot. He's a big, dumb idiot. (laughs) But, man, can he climb a rope? (laughs) He then hid the bodies behind the house. Carol came home to find Charlie in her house with a gun, and she was like, oh, hey, Charlie. And he told her that her family was being held hostage and that he would keep them safe if she cooperated. Otherwise, he would kill them and her. Little did she know, they were already dead behind the house. Then Charlie locked the two of them in the house for six days. Carol wrote a note that said, Stay away, everyone is sick with the flu, and taped it to the outside of the front door. (laughs) That's only going to work for so long, man. (laughs) What the fuck's the point of that? She also spelled flu, F-L-U-E, on the note, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah, just so everybody knows. Carol's grandmother came by to visit one day, but she was turned away at the door. Probably the very, very obvious note that was like, no, we all have the flu, E. So you can't come in here because we're sick, E. Bye. Bye. So she went home. She was very suspicious. And she called the police, which is the right thing to do here. The police went to the house on January 27th, but Charles and Carol had already fled. Now, I want to mention here um, that Carol and Charlie will have very different accounts of what went down at house for those yeah. six days. Yeah. And pretty much like the whole rest of this episode, it's going to be he said, she said. Yeah. Yeah, basically everything is he said, she said. So, So Charlie said that Carol was a willing participant and that she was even present for the murders. While Carol said that she was frequently tied up and she was forcibly held in the house and didn't know that her family was dead when she got home. Before the police were able to apprehend them, the pair hopped into Charles' car and they drove to Bennett, Nebraska, which I googled, is about 17 miles away from Carol's house. They went to the farmhouse of August Meyer. August was 71 at the time and he's a family friend of the Starkweather family. Charlie walked up to the door, knocked, and proceeded to shoot August in the head several times when he opened the door. Casual. Okay. Mm-hmm. He also shot August's dog. Mm. So just in case you didn't already think he yeah. was a really bad person, yeah. he killed the dog. Yeah, he killed the dog. So. And a baby. Well, yeah. It's like the two worst things you can do. It's like the two things like you shouldn't kill the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the couple stayed the night, and then they drove out the next day. Charlie swerved off the road and got the car stuck in the mud, so the pair continued on foot. They were luckily picked up by a pair of teenagers just driving by. Robert Jensen and Carol King stopped to give them a ride, and Charlie told them to drive to an abandoned storm shelter in Bennett, Nebraska, back to like the city that they were just in for some reason. <laughs> Not smart, once again. When they arrived, both Robert Jensen and Carol King were shot and killed. Charlie claims that he shot the boy and Carol shot the girl. Robert was shot in the back of the head, just a single shot. And Charlie attempted to rape Carol, but she fought him off. This only enraged Charlie further. And he shot her. I'm sorry, or I guess Carol shot her. Yeah, that's, I mean, he said she said, we don't know. That's true. So, anyways, Carol King was shot in the head and she was found half naked. Charlie said that he shot Robert, but like I said, Carol shot Carol King. But Carol Ann claims that she, sorry, Calf, there's a lot of Carols <laughs> this happening. A lot of carols. That's okay. They're spelled differently, though, I, <laughs> yeah. I promise you. So, Calf claims that she was actually in the car the entire time. And not only did she not shoot anyone, but she was extremely, like, just not involved at all.
0: It kind of seems like she wasn't, because I don't see why she would just stand there when Charles, I mean, he pulled, it said that they like, he pulled her pants down and her mm-hmm. underwear down, but they didn't find any semen, so why would she just stand by and let her boyfriend try to
1: rape another girl in and, front of her? And then kill that girl. And then kill the girl. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that she would have been there. Right. Regardless of what happened, they stole Robert Jensen's car, and they drove out of Bennett Back to Lincoln, you know, the city that they were in right before they went to Bennett. (laughs) Where they were probably looking for them. Mm -hmm. They went to a wealthy neighborhood in the city and they pulled up in front of the house of C. Lawyer Ward, an industrialist, which I have no idea what that means. Like I googled what an industrialist is. Uh Still pretty confused. So I'm just going to picture (laughs) the Monopoly man. Yeah, I don't think those that exists nowadays. It's not like a thing I don't anymore. Think you can be that anymore. Now you can just say like I'm an entrepreneur and it's like it has the same meaning. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So this was like a giant mansion that this industrialist monopoly man and his wife lived in. Here they found the couple's housekeeper, Lillian Fenchel, I'm going to say, yeah, who would meet her end at the hands of Charles and his knife. He later claimed that Carol had stabbed the housekeeper to death, even though he has a history of stabbing people to death. <laughs> it's pretty on brand for him. <laughs> like if he has a brand, it's that.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Shooting people and stabbing them in the neck. And then saying that the knife. people did it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Charlie then snapped the neck of mm-hmm. the family's dog, killing it. I read that it didn't die. What? Yeah. I heard that it did die. I read that they found it like cowering under <gasps> the bed
0: with its like neck broken. Oh
1: my God.
0: I don't know. I don't know what's worse. Yeah, I don't
1: know what's worse either. I mean, I would think they probably would
0: have had to put it to sleep. Maybe not. I don't know.
1: I don't know. know. Well, this was to make sure that the dog didn't bark and Mm -hmm. alert the wards of their presence. But he did lock the other dog in the basement. So he left one dog alive. That's nice. Randomly. I guess. Yeah, but he's still a piece of shit because he killed him. Maybe, like, his limit is two dogs. Or actually, (laughs) if he killed one, half killed another, and then left the third alive. That's showing progress.
0: I mean, we're not giving him that. I don't want to give him anything. We're... <laughs> no, we're not even going to give him the bell. We're going to make him crawl up the, the rope, and he's going to get all the way up there, and the bell's not going to
1: be there. Yeah, like we took the middle part of the bell out. Yeah, that like the actual clang clang part. So we
0: can't ring it. I ever think that's what again. it's called,
1: the clang clang. Yeah. So then Clara Ward comes home, and she was pretty much immediately stabbed to death. Mm-hmm. Charlie will claim that he only, quote, threw a knife at Clara, but Carol Ann was the one who stabbed her multiple times, killing her. He claimed that he threw the knife at the baby, too. Like, he was like, oh, I just, she
0: was crying, so I threw the knife and it accidentally stabbed her in the neck. It's like, okay.
1: Okay, why throwing knives, dude? Stop throwing knives, then? Maybe he saw James Dean do it once. Oh. Mm -hmm. So it, like, became his thing. But he like, couldn't find throwing sarves, so he just like was throwing a steak knife around. Does James Dean, is that his thing? Throwing I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I just imagine. Where else would he get this idea of throwing a knife at people? Well, he obviously didn't throw a <laughs> knife. He obviously
0: stabbed that person and but, tried to make it seem better by saying that he accidentally threw it.
1: But he keeps saying he threw a knife, so obviously <laughs> he saw someone do that somewhere. He's not smart enough to come up with that. Now he's not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe James Dean did throw knives. <laughs> no. James, if you're listening... <laughs> Is he alive? No. He's not alive. James Dean's ghost, if you're listening. (laughs) Did you ever throw a knife? Tap twice if you flew through a knife. DM us (laughs) if you threw a knife. (laughs) And then C lawyer Ward came home later that evening. Charles shot him, killing him on the spot. The couple, Charles and Carol, stole a ton of jewelry from the ward house, and they made their escape in the ward's black 1956 Packard. They made the smart choice to finally flee Nebraska instead of just driving back and forth between two (laughs) cities like they previously did. The wards were found the following day, and the police went into high gear searching for whoever had killed them. They went on a house-to-house search looking for the murderers and for clues. The Packard was spotted, and the descriptions of Charlie and Carol were given to the police. The police were then accused of being completely incompetent because people were seeing this Packard all over the place, but the police hadn't tracked them down yet. So the Nebraska National Guard was called in, and they began doing a block-to-block search of the city of Lincoln.
0: I also read, so the grandma went to the house, like a lot of people went to the house and were Calling the police, yeah, and being like, "There's something going on." And the police were like, "It's fine." They or have like the flu. They like would like, yeah, go there and look in the window, and they're like, "Well, we don't see any dead bodies, so we think that they're fine."
1: Well, to be fair, <laughs> they had a cutout of Michael Jordan on a train, <laughs> and it was going back and forth, so it looked like there was Jingle a Bell person. Rock was playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it, it looked like there was a person walking around. Yeah. It looked like a Christmas party, right? So, to be fair, the police <laughs> did look is. in the window classic <laughs> It's <a> classic <laughs> classic move <laughs> it's the only smart choice they I mean, ever made it, it truly
0: is now on the run from the national guard charlie and carol fled nebraska in the wards 1956 packard and headed west towards washington state to go to charlie's brother who lived there the couple drove all night and around 10 hours later the morning of january 29th 1958 They had crossed the border into Wyoming. They were stupid as hell, but they were smart enough to know that the police were probably on the lookout
1: for the stolen car, and they knew that they needed to find a new one soon. So they went all the way back to Bennett, Nebraska to steal another car. And then when they didn't find one, they went to Lincoln, and then they went back to Bennett, and then back to Lincoln, and then they went back yeah. to Wyoming. They
0: also try to go back to the house, like this, Carol's the,
1: house. It's they're
0: so dumb, and they they literally drove by, and like cops were swarmed. They like, they saw cops and everything. They were and they obviously knew that they couldn't stop there, so they just <laughs> headed out
1: west. I guess. I mean, to be fair, um, they are basically children. Yeah. I mean, so. yeah, I would say he probably has the mind of, like, a 13-year-old. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> she is 13. So. She is 13, so. She might be 14 by now. Yeah, I think
0: she's 14 by now. Uh-huh. I think he's 19 and she's 14 Oh, the yeah, spree. wow,
1: what a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: On their way to Wyoming, they were reported twice for acting suspicious. However... The police never did anything about either report. Mm. So, I mean, once again, I feel like the police are at fault here. Like, you guys aren't really doing your job with this case. (laughs) Could have stopped him like, multiple times. The pair came across a car parked alongside the side of the highway. Parked along the side of the highway in Douglas, Wyoming. Inside the car was 37-year-old traveling salesman Merle Collison. Merle was a traveling shoe salesman from Great Falls, Montana, who had parked his Buick on the side of
1: the road and was just taking a little nap. The name, or I guess, car company Buick, always reminds me of lucky number eleven. Why? Because Ben Kings. It's so. It's so obscure um because ben kingsley tells a story about how his father goes to a movie mm-hmm. and he can't say the word beauty because he's an immigrant so he calls someone a buick and he says she's a real buick <laughs> this is the stupidest story i'll ever tell in my whole life and now for some reason it always reminds me of ben kingsley's voice like i hear it in my head yeah. like she's a real buick <laughs> so i'm really sorry but just buick, so you know Buick.
0: now i'm gonna think of that yeah sorry every time sorry and you're welcome Charlie abruptly woke the salesman up by tapping on the window and told him that they were going to trade cars. It's like wife swap. (laughs) Car swap. Merle refused, and Charlie shot through the window and then shot Merle several times in the neck, head, arms, and legs. It was a little difficult for Charlie to claim self-defense this time, considering Merle was unarmed and sitting in his vehicle, so charlie claimed
1: that carol shot and killed him i mean her mo is i guess it is shooting and stabbing people according to charlie yeah but also she didn't do it but that's also his mo so i guess we'll never know <laughs> but his mo is also lying about it so who really knows yeah but does he have a cause at this point or no well his cause is to get a new car You're right. He does have a cause. He does have a cause this time. God, he's such a bad rebel without a cause. As soon as he gets that cause, though, he's without. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or that car. He's without it. He's got the cause. Got the car. Without the cause. Yeah. Nailed it. Starkweather
0: claimed that his shotgun jammed, and then Carol actually stepped up to the plate, performing a coup de grace, dealing the final death blow. So it it was Carol who did it, according to him.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carol, the 14-year-old
0: girl. He claimed that Carol was the most trigger-happy person he had ever met. However, Carol denied ever killing anyone. Yeah, checks out. Starkweather pushed Merle over to the passenger side and got in the driver's seat while Carol hopped in the back. Charlie tried to start the car, but he couldn't figure out how to release the car's emergency brake because he was extremely stupid.
1: Yeah, it's just like a parking brake.
0: Yeah, and he couldn't figure he just it out. Didn't,
1: yeah, didn't know
0: how to do it. Charlie tried to drive away, but the car stalled because the brake had not been released. So, seeing the struggle, a young
1: geologist named Joe Sprinkle stopped to help the couple. This is my favorite character in this play, Joe Sprinkle. Young geologist Joe, Joe Sprinkle. Sprinkle. <laughs> I I feel like can we please call him young geologist joe sprinkle from now on i'm going to make a shirt that says <laughs> young just young geologist joe sprinkle period <laughs> i just i feel like it's so it just <laughs> sounds fake it does sound really fake. young geologist let's just go one more time young, young geologist joe, joe sprinkle, sprinkle. hmm that's a
0: person it's, it's an actual person i'm obsessed So Starkweather pulled a shotgun on young geologist Joe Sprinkle and told him, help me release the emergency brake or I'll kill you. When young geologist Joe Sprinkle (laughs) spotted Merle's body stuffed under the dashboard in the passenger seat, young geologist (laughs) Joe Sprinkle (laughs) knew he was in danger and struggled with Starkweather trying to wrestle the gun from his hands. Young geologist Joe Sprinkle <laughs> was six feet tall and had the advantage against Starkweather, who was only five foot
1: five. And also, remember, he was not a geologist. He was not no. So he was young though, but not he a was geologist. Young, yes, but he knew nothing, no nothing about minerals and rocks. No, he he didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> young
0: geologist Joe Sprinkle <laughs> managed to take the gun. From Charlie. And by chance, an Natrona County deputy named William Romer
1: was passing by and saw the scuffle. He did a double take and he was like, is that young geologist Joe <laughs> Sprinkle? I need his autograph for my autograph book.
0: The deputy pulled up to the scene and Carol Ann Fugate ran out of the car with her hands up, screaming something along the lines of, He's crazy. He's going to kill me. He killed a man. During this time, Starkweather ran to the ward's Packard, you know, the car that they tried to abandon, and he started to drive away back towards Douglas. Right, because you always go back to where you were. Always. (laughs) Deputy Romer radioed for a roadblock to be set up and hopped in his police car and followed Starkweather. Douglas Police Chief Robert Ainsley and Sheriff Earl Heflin of Converse County received the call and they set up a roadblock. So when Starkweather flew by the two sitting in their car, they peeled out and chased him at speeds
1: exceeding 100 miles per hour. I would like to imagine all of these law enforcement officials are wearing cowboy hats. Oh, totally. And it's Nebraska and Wyoming. Definitely cowboy boots. Totally. Definitely. Maybe young geologists. Joe Sprinkle is also wearing cowboy boots. Uh,
0: Yeah, maybe
1: boots. Definitely not a hat guy, though. No, no, no. I don't pack him as a hat guy. But he does have a backpack full of rocks. Oh, totally. He's a young geologist. He must. He must.
0: (laughs) Heflin shot out the back window of Starkweather's car, and Starkweather came to a stop and surrendered. They waited for Starkweather to exit the vehicle, and when he did, they told him to put his hands up. Charles did not do so, so Ainsley shot the ground by his feet and told him to lie down on the ground. Instead, Starkweather reached in the back of his pants, so Ainsley shot at him again, and this time Charlie finally obeyed. Turns out the reason Charlie stopped was he was afraid he was going to bleed to death because he thought that he had been shot when the window was blown out, But actually, he had only been nicked in the neck by the flying shards of glass.
1: And he thought that that was a fatal gunshot wound. And he thought, yeah, he thought he was going to die. So he stopped the guard, surrendered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Checks out. Checks out. Starkweather was
0: given the option of being charged in Wyoming or Nebraska. And he decided on Nebraska because he thought, they're going to kill me either way. Nebraska, it is. So he and Carol were extradited to Nebraska in January of 1958. He thought it didn't matter, Wyoming or Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Either state would just want him dead, right? But what he didn't know was that Millward Simpson, Wyoming's governor at the time, fantastic name. So amazing, right? Well, he was a huge opponent of the death penalty. <gasps> and had Starkweather chosen Wyoming, he probably would have just
1: received a life sentence. Dude. I wonder. I would ask. OK, this. If I we, mean, he's stu- he's a stupid idiot. If we so. give anyone any information, like any life tips here, if you ever get pulled over and extradited or threatened to be extradited, yeah. just ask, you know, where is the death penalty legal and where is it not legal? Like, Google it on
0: your phone. Google I mean, it. yeah, he didn't have that. Google it up. We'll give him that. But
1: just ask.
0: Just ask. I feel like they would have told him. Yeah. Yeah. At first, Charles claimed that he had kidnapped Fugate and that she had nothing to do with the murders at all, though he changed his story several times and eventually went with the story that she was a willing participant and even took part in some of the killings
1: herself yeah it went from like oh no i just she's innocent i love her she's a, just this innocent little girl mm-hmm. To she is the most trigger happy bitch i have <laughs> ever met in my entire life it changed like 80 times yeah so. well he's, you know it's flipping back and forth with a cause without a cause trigger happy yeah. not who he doesn't knows? know he doesn't know
0: what he wants to be Carol has always maintained her innocence, stating that Charlie was holding her hostage the whole time and that she just did what he wanted because she was afraid he was going to kill her family. The problem with that was that she also admitted to being present for the Nebraska murders, so she would have known her parents were dead. Her story, like Charlie's, also changed a bunch of times. Mm. Officer Ainsley, however, did not think she knew her parents were dead, stating that when she was brought in, she was very nervous and in a state of shock. And he said that she was crying and screaming for her mom and asking why she couldn't call her parents. And apparently when she was told that her family was dead, she broke down. Wow. She could have been faking, though.
1: Yeah, but if she wasn't, imagine that that's how you find out that your family's dead. Yeah. Like, you get arrested after being kidnapped for, like, a thousand days And And then they tell you your family's dead. You can't call home, little girl. Your mom is dead. Yeah. Judge Harry A. Spencer was
0: not buying any of Carol's story and determined that she had multiple occasions where she could have escaped, but she did not. So both Carol and Charlie were charged with first degree murder and murder while committing a robbery. Both were tried as adults, (gasps) so both of them faced a possible death sentence. She's 14. I know. The prosecutors chose the murder of Robert Jansen on which to try them on. They believed it was the most brutal of all the murders, and they believed it would sway the jury and show them how big of a monster Starkweather really was. Which I don't know if I agree with that. I think the baby dying and her family killing was probably worse. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but if they're trying them separately, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but if they're trying them separately and they have to, like, say he is responsible for this death, I feel like that one's kind of murky, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true. And you would probably want it, yeah. Yeah. Go with. Well, whatever. Plus, he just threw a knife at that baby. (laughs) (laughs) On accident. He dropped a knife. Starkweather stated that he believed he was supposed to die. But he also stated that if he were to be executed, then Carol should be also. What the fuck, dude? Bully of the Year Ward, goes
1: to Charles Starkweather. Wow. Oh I know, my right? God, he is a piece of shit. He's a huge piece of shit. should have known by that slicked slick back hair. hair. Charlie's
0: trial began on May 5th, 1958. His lawyers tried to put together an insanity defense, but Starkweather was such a fucking idiot that he maintained that he was sane the oh whole God. time. Oh, my God. Because to him, being seen as insane was worse than being being seen as a murderer.
1: This man is so dumb. So it hurts me. He's so dumb. He's so dumb.
0: Regardless, his lawyers were like, whatever, you big idiot. We're still going with the insanity Innocent by Reason of Insanity route, so just fucking deal with it. They also leaned heavily on the fact that Carol also played a part. Charlie tried to protect Carol at first, stating, Don't be rough on the girl. She didn't
1: have a thing to do with it. But if I get murdered, also
0: she should die. (laughs) Yeah. But when he found out that she was playing the role of innocent hostage, who was kidnapped by a crazy man instead of kidnapped by her boyfriend. Oh, that's
1: the difference,
0: right? His tune changed. Mm. It was right when she she started saying he wasn't her boyfriend. He wasn't her boyfriend. That he was like, oh, okay, I see how it is now.
1: I'm your man friend.
0: (laughs) He suggested that Carol was responsible for some of the murders and that she was also responsible for all of the mutilations. He also stated that she could have escaped plenty of times and didn't, saying that he even left her alone with all of the guns on more than one occasion. This is fucked. During the trial, one of Charlie's defense attorneys made a point of stating that whatever punishment was handed to Charlie should also be extended to Carol, even if that punishment was death. Within 24 hours, the jury had made a decision. Guilty on both counts of first-degree murder, And the jury specifically asked for the death penalty for Charlie. (laughs) Wow. On May 23rd, 1958, Charles Starkweather was sentenced to death and was executed in the electric chair at the Nebraska State Penitentiary in Lincoln, Nebraska, at 12.04 a.m. on June 25th, 1959. He had no last words. However, in a letter he wrote to his parents, he wrote... But, Dad, I'm not real sorry for what I did, because for the first time, me and Carol have more fun.
1: (laughs) Okay. And then at the bottom, it says, dictated but not read. He was very indifferent about
0: his death sentence. He was offered a steak for his last meal, but turned it down for some cold cuts. He's a Maloney guy. (laughs) Carol's defense was built on the fact that she was a hostage the whole time and did not know about her parents' death. But in a surprise testimony by Deputy Romer, who was the first on the scene when Charlie was fighting with young geologist Joe Sprinkle, he actually testified that Carol had told him that she knew her parents were dead Mm. and had seen Charlie kill them. So that pretty much ruined the whole hostage story for her. Wow. Yeah. Sheriff Heflin actually corroborated this fact stating that when she was arrested, he was also the one that thought that she actually didn't know. Yeah. But then he changed his tune because when she was arrested, they found newspaper clippings in <gasps> Carol's pocket relating to her family's murders.
1: Oh my god.
0: So that was just like I mean, you're you're lying. We know you're
1: lying. This is wild.
0: Yeah. Carol was convicted as an accomplice and was given a life sentence on November 21st, 1958. Carol spent about 18 years in the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women in York, but she was a model prisoner and in 1976 she was paroled. Wow. Carol moved to Lansing, Michigan, and since being released has refused any and all interviews, preferring a quiet life. And I
1: don't blame her. No, dude. I mean Lansing is Lansing's where I would go for a quiet life.
0: <laughs> Michigan? You don't think Lansing's quiet?
1: No, I would go there. That's why I said it. I would go to <laughs> Lansing, Michigan specifically if I wanted a quiet life.
0: Well, Deputy Romer has always maintained that Carol was just as much responsible as Charlie. He believes that she is guilty. Now, Carol Ann Clare, as she prefers
1: to be called because she changed her name, but... In remembrance of that Sinclair gas station from the first murder.
0: Oh, I didn't even think of that. I don't think that's true, but... Well, she still maintains that she never participated in any of the murders. And in 1996, the Nebraska Board of Pardons denied her application for a full pardon. But then in February of 2020, she tried once more... It would be her second and her final request. And without hearing any testimony, she was once again denied. Whoa. And actually, some of the relatives of the people who she played a part in murdering, some of them are like, we want her to have this burden. We don't (gasps) ever want it pardoned. And then actually another one, um, the granddaughter of the wards, I believe it Uh is, Yeah. She has, like, hugged Carol, thinks that she didn't have any part of it, has done her own research, believes she was fully a hostage the whole time.
1: No shit.
0: So it's like, I don't know. What do you believe?
1: I want to know what you believe, too.
0: I think she did it. She Do knew you? It. Yeah, for sure. No way. I think she was a part of it. Totally think she was a part of it.
1: Wow. Oh, I mean, we
0: know she lied about knowing her parents were dead. Yeah. So...
1: I think it's sort of like a, like a Patty Hearst situation. Yeah, for sh- yeah, I think that too. Yeah, um, I think that she didn't know about her parents. I think that she did like not want to date him anymore, and yeah. then he killed her family because he's a fucking psychopath. I mean, well, he dropped that knife, so that that one wasn't his fault. <laughs> that was an accident. That was an accident. Um. I, so that's what I think. And then um she didn't know about her family. And then he like, kind of like Stockholm syndromed her almost in mm-hmm. those six days yeah. in the house. And then maybe she went along with him. But I don't think she killed anybody. I don't know if I believe that she killed
0: anyone. But I think she went along with it. And mm-hmm. I think that she could have escaped. And she didn't. Because there were multiple yeah. times where he left to go get food. Yeah. Like, I don't know, to get hamburgers or, like, to go get milk at the grocery store, and she could have left. Yeah. She can't use the excuse of, if I leave, he's going to kill my family, because, well, first of all, he's with you right now, and your family are not around. And also, you know that your family's dead already. That's
1: true. Yeah. I also, though, I mean, not that I'm – I feel like I'm siding with a a murderer right now, but that's not what (laughs) I'm doing. I'm just saying that – I can I can understand if she was fucking 13 years old or yeah. 14 years old. Yeah. She's dating this guy who she thinks is like this cool older dude. James Dean. Yeah, like a real James Dean type, you know, if you yeah. will. I don't know if he wanted to look like James <laughs> Dean or not, but he kind of did, right? Um actually, though, if he was being played in a movie, I think he would be played by um who's the ugly Ben Affleck? Ugly
0: Ben Affleck. Yeah i
1: don't even the other one talented mr ripley oh matt damon yeah (laughs) yeah if
0: matt damon was like
1: (laughs) 30 years younger
0: than he is now yeah like
1: talented mr ripley style matt damon they look like identical like goodwill hunting matt damon maybe i never saw goodwill hunting fuck you is that movie about hunting
0: yeah is it and robin williams is there too oh no it's not about hunting
1: (laughs) is robin williams there? it's
0: yeah he is I've never heard of that movie. Yes, you have. It's even in Step Brothers <laughs> when he's like, sometimes so. it's like I work as a janitor at a, at a college, and sometimes I'll see equations on the whiteboard, and I'll just finish them. That's Goodwill Hunting. I thought that was <laughs> just a joke from the movie
1: Step Brothers. No, are you sure? Positive. That's a reference to a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's the plot of Goodwill Hunting. But well, why is there a blackboard if they're hunting? I don't know why it's called Goodwill Hunting. I think this sounds um, made up.
0: But yeah, he, he actually, if you see pictures of um, Charles Starkweather,
1: he uh, does look like if Matt Damon, a young Matt Damon, mm-hmm. tried to dress like James Jean. He does. He absolutely he does. Totally does. Yes. And for the record, I have seen and heard of Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> you no, know, she hasn't. She's <laughs> just saying that now to seem cool. Nicole, what the fuck, man? I want people to think I'm cool. Okay, so you think she. Did it?
0: I don't think she murdered anyone, but I think she knew what was going on and she wasn't a hostage. She was, like, yeah. willingly staying with him.
1: Yeah. I think towards the end she was. I, I, I still say it was, like, a patty hair situation. Yeah. In the
0: beginning, I think she was like, oh, this is kind of cool and fun. Mm-hmm. And then when she saw her opportunity with the cop, she was like, yeah, I'm
1: over. This dude's fucking crazy. Yeah. And really stupid. Yeah. Thank God young geologist Joe Sprinkle is <laughs> there because otherwise, wow. Plot twist of her...
0: And then young geologist Joe Sprinkle (gasps) fall in love. Fall in love when she's a little bit
1: older though. Give her like Mm -hmm. seven years, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then that's that's the true story. I'm gonna look up where young geologist Joe Sprinkle (laughs) is because if she's still alive, young geologist Joe Sprinkle might be alive. Yeah, he might be. He might be. He was a young geologist. Yeah, we don't know how young he could have been. Like 18. Yeah. Well, if you're a geologist, you, you he like, could be a geologist student. Was he an amateur geologist? Or Cause he could have been like a Doogie Howser type geologist. Yeah. Oh, shit. Like he got like his like geology PhD when he was like 16 years yeah. old. When he was like 12. Yeah. Because he's like the smartest geologist <laughs> to ever be born. That's why he has the title. Yeah. Young Geologist. Yeah. Young Geologist <laughs> Joe Sprinkle. God, I fucking love that man. We have a special listener mail this week. Um, He's a listener, but he's also a friend and also a fellow podcast host. Mm. So this one comes from Brad. B-Rad. B-Rad. He is the host of the Killin' and Hidden podcast. So I want to read this one because it's very relevant to last week's episode. Oh, Okay. B-Rad says, part of my job requires me to be the liaison between Alabama Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of the United States, the Alabama Department of Corrections, and the Alabama Attorney General's Office on Executions. Brett's a lawyer, right? Brett is a lawyer. Mm. Yeah, he's an executioner, actually. (laughs) He's not a lawyer, he's an
0: executioner. (laughs) He's going to listen to this and be like, what are they saying? (laughs) He's He's an executioner. Sorry, Brett. No, he's a lawyer.
1: He's a lawyer. Uh, He says, so whenever we have an execution, I literally have to sit by the phone in case someone with power stops the execution. Wow. But just to share the news with the Alabama Supreme Court, I don't have to be the guy to tell the warden to stop the execution. Although that would be sort of fun. Like you run in like the British are coming style. Well, I mean, like... you are the executioner. So you just tell yourself <laughs> to stop. <laughs> oh, yeah, forgot. b Red's the executioner. <laughs> He answers the phone and then he says it out loud, B-Rad, don't execute this man. And he's like, okay, B-Rad. Thanks, B-Rad. And then he hangs up the phone and everyone backs away a little bit. So he says, regardless, here are some fun last meals and last words from some of the recently executed in Alabama. Super cool. Yeah. So I wanted to read it because I think it's, I'm obsessed with last meals and this is sort of fun, right? Yeah. Do you want to take turns? Sure. Okay. Dominique Ray, executed in 2019. Their last meal was jelly biscuits. I'm going to guess it's a biscuit with jelly on it. Yeah. Prunes. Ooh. Potatoes. Eggs. And milk. Milk. Okay. That's a gross meal. Walter Leroy Moody.
0: Such a good name. Executed in 2018. Last meal was a Philly cheesesteak, chips, Dr. Pepper, and M&M's.
1: I hope it was peanut m ms Oh, those are, oh yeah. That's the best m M&M. ms The superior M&M's, oh, for sure. fully. Tori Twain McNab executed in 2017. Last meal, refused. <gasps> Last words, mom, sis, look at my eyes. I'm unafraid the state of Alabama, I hate you, motherfuckers. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. What a way to go out. Yeah. Like, fuck you.
0: Fuck you guys. That's but right.
1: Mom and sister. TTM. Laying it down.
0: Christopher Eugene Brooks, executed in 2016. Last meal, two Reese's peanut butter cups and a Dr. Pepper.
1: That's simple. Yeah, I like it. And then Brad had a comment on this one. He said, This one is weird to me because whenever I had to try criminal cases, I wouldn't have time to get a real lunch. So I would have to hit up the vending machines and would usually get Reese's Cups (gasps) and a Dr. Pepper. Oh, creepy. I know. Christopher Thomas Johnson, executed in 2011. Last meal was a turkey bologna sandwich with tomatoes and cheese, fries, Reese's Cups, pretzels, orange drink, and grape drink. His last words were, game over. Holy shit. That's tight, dude. That is tight. James
0: Barney Hubbard, executed in 2004. Last meal were two eggs over medium, BLT with fr- fried green tomatoes and pineapple slices. Delicious. Ooh, okay. A banana and a medium bottle of V8
1: juice. Very healthy. Hmm. Tommy Jerry Fontenberry. Fortenberry, Fortenberry. It's a southern name. Is it? I know that from True Blood. Yeah, White Fortenberry. That sounds made up. It's it's a it's a southern thing.
0: Fortenberry,
1: okay. Fortenberry, Tommy Jerry Fortenberry. That rhymed. Oh. Three wise. Hmm. Executed in 2003. Last meal requested shrimp, but it wasn't available. Aww. Oh. So he just ate some snacks from the prison vending machine. That would be like the worst. You request something, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah, sorry, we don't have it." Yeah.
0: Then could you request something else? I don't know. Or do they just <gasps> give you whatever they have? Do you get you like get one choice? Do you get like a runner-up choice? You should. You should. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, just in case. Yeah. Rhonda, a woman. Mm-hmm. Rhonda Bell Martin, n- 1957. She was executed. Last meal was hamburger, mashed potatoes, cinnamon rolls, and coffee. That's a good meal. Last words. Well, you've never seen anybody who was ready to sit down in the electric chair. But if
1: that's what it's got to be, that's what it will be. Some uh, bonus info on Rhonda Bell Martin. She requested that her body be donated to science so that they could figure out why she felt like she needed to kill Wow. That's cool. I really hope that they Yeah. We should look into her brain like yeah. story.
0: Yeah, I would like to. Yeah. We don't do we've only ever done one female
1: murderer and that was Catherine Knight. Mm hmm. So. Catherine Knight. So Brad says, "Hope you found this interesting, otherwise I wasted my time, time I will never get back." Oh, whatever, Brad. XOXO, I love you both so much and I'm a massive fan, Brad. Did Brad really say that or did you add that for Brad? <laughs> I added in the XOXO, I love you both, but he did say, "Otherwise I wasted my time, time I'll never get back." <laughs> so like we said, Brad hosts a show called Killin' Miss and Hidden. Uh, it's not terrible. It's fine. <laughs> just kidding. It's He bit- talks about his execution yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: all the time. You guys should check it out. It's, it's really a- interesting.
1: Yeah. Actually it's very, very good. And check it out if you want more of like a true crime centered content hosted by an executioner. <laughs> if you are an executioner, <laughs> or if you know what you want your last meal to be, or maybe you just want to say hi write to us, write us a listener lore, Um, send it to quite unusual pod at gmail.com, or you can always, as always, slippery slide into our sexy little DMs. We're on all the social meds under quiteunusualpod. Um, let's see, what are we on? We're on Twitter. We've been hitting Twitter hard. Tweeting. Uh, we've been tweeting it out. We've been Instagramming it out. It's, yep instas insting mm-hmm. yeah we've been uh uh Facebooking. well yeah it's connected to our instagram yeah so, so like, we don't you know, really you know, do that you know, too much we're like we're if we're like, being honest like it's just, uh, facebook is for old people and anti-vaxxers <laughs> um we're on we're technically on myspace although i don't know what the login is if we're not on myspace let's stop advertising <laughs> <laughs> and also um we accept physical mail and presents and offerings from our beloveds we do. We have a P.O.
0: Box. It is P.O. Box 1212 in Des Plaines, Illinois, 60017. So if you want to send us anything cool, maybe just like a letter, we'll, we accept everything. So that's right.
1: Feel free to stop on by. And if you would like to support the podcast with, you know, maybe your wallet or not just your hearts, you can hit us <laughs> up on Patreon. We are under as always quite unusual pod. You can find us at patreon.com/slash quite unusual pod, yeah. or just search us. Just search it. Yeah, and we actually have some new patrons.
0: We do. So we have Caitlin R. Welcome to the coven, and we have Salvador A. Welcome to the coven, Salvador. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange and keep
1: it unusual. Bye. Bye. This is the part of the show where we give praise to the all-knowing leaders, supporters of the podcast, and all-around benevolent beings. Spencer W., who always carries an umbrella when he is
0: outside of his home. Mm. He got rained on by star jelly once, and it took weeks to get it all out of his hair. Won't be making that mistake again now, will you, Spencer?
1: Did he use it to style his hair, do you think? Like a pushback or like... A slick back, definitely. No. Oh. Oh, Oh, no. Tim M., who tried out online dating, but only ended up getting catfished by what he thought was supposed to be Mothman, and turns out it was just a really big moth with a slammin' booty. Mmm. Savannah L.
0: always buys the good Halloween candy... Has never had their
1: house egged. Not even once. Well, wow, it's very impressive. Mm. Samantha P, who once got an X-ray for what they thought was a broken rib. Turns out they were just transforming into a winged wraith. Congratulations on your new wings, Sam. Mm, gorgeous. Lauren R added one
0: too many eye of newt into her witch's brew, and now the room is spinning and she can't find her familiar. <gasps> She's hanging up lost cat
1: posters as soon as she comes down from her elixir. Literally comes down. She's stuck on the ceiling right now. It's one of the side effects of too much Eye of Newt. Oh, yes, right. Kaylee O., who found out that booberry is actually a real fruit, and the cereal companies have been keeping them all for themselves and keeping this secret from us for years. How dare they? Jess H. recently found a lost black cat. Can speak
0: English. Knows a bunch of spells. Won't shut up about being familiar with something. Anyways, she's hanging found cat posters as we
1: speak. I wonder if that's related oh, to... Can, can, no, no, can't be. Evan K. The spooky scary <gasps> skeleton. No. That's right. He is the spooky scary skeleton. Give us your autograph. Of song fame. KTT, you can't spell crypt
0: without Katie. Actually, uh, you can. Yeah. Unless you're spelling crypt wrong. Yeah. Well. Anyways, we just
1: wanted you to know that Katie is a crypt keeper. And honestly, it's so cool. Like, dream jobs, am I right? Yes. Adam K. He's really just a bunch of little green ghouls in a trench coat. But don't worry, Adam, your secret is safe with us. We won't tell anyone. Not even... Oh, wait. Oh, is this being recorded? Shoot. Fuck. Oh.
0: Christina N., the proprietor of Christina's mythical artifacts, specializing in the magical, the mysterious, Ooh. the macabre, oh. and also she sells poker shell necklaces. Ew. Just because they are kind of neat. They are it's
1: a beachy thing, yeah, I guess.
0: They were in style. That's one.
1: Fine. Kelsey C, who knew a Brandon once. Ugh. She doesn't like to talk about oh, it. Yeah, don't blame you. Mm. John S.
0: John recently started noticing hair growing in new places. His voice has been getting lower. He's been getting taller as well. (gasps) Mm. We're just so proud. Our little John is going through werewolf puberty, and (gasps) we can't wait until he sees his first full moon. Oh, you're doing
1: wonderful, sweetie.
0: Thank you to all of our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. We
1: are not
0: worthy. We are not worthy. We are
1: truly not worthy.